Lord, we love you so much, and we thank you, Jesus, that you are our righteousness, and we thank you that you gave yourself for us, and you love us, and you're so, so good. And we pray right now that you would come, you would inhabit our praises, you would inhabit our teaching, you would inhabit our listening and our seeking you. And Lord, we just want, we want to grow closer to you. And I pray for every barrier between us and growing closer to you, that you would knock it down in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for that. Amen. Okay. So. How many of you, that Romans 8 is one of your favorite chapters? It's so awesome, isn't it? And so I think you're really going to enjoy this. We're going to have fun. We're going to look at it. And um, so starting in verse 1, so you can open your Bibles to Romans 8 and you can just stay there. Hallelujah. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit in of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. So, before I talk about all the promises of God in this passage, I want to go over the law of the spirit of life and the law of the spirit of sin and death because sometimes we don't really understand it. So I'm going to start with the bad stuff and then get to the good stuff. So, the law of sin and death. How many of you know about the law of gravity? Anyone? You understand the law of gravity? Raise your hand if you do. If not, we'll have a physics lesson. So, in the law of gravity, how many of you have actually experienced the law of gravity without expecting to? Okay, so we know that it works. So... The law of gravity is just set in place. It's just there. It's not like, you know, we can get out of it. Like, it's not like we can pray and say, Lord, um, I was just wondering if today you could suspend the law of gravity. And we could just be set free from the law of gravity. So the law of gravity is just there. Now, the Lord could do a miracle and he could protect you from the law of gravity. When Kate was two, she was hit by a truck, and she was on someone's shoulders, and she remembered the next day an angel or someone shiny lifting her down to the ground. And she was not hurt, though she fell from quite a height. So the, law, the Lord either sent angels or suspended the law of gravity or tweaked it or something. But the law of gravity is set in place, and the law of sin and death is set in place. And um, the law of sin and death says that sin leads to death. But it goes deeper than that. Sin is death. So sin is operating. When you operate in sin, you operate in death. And um, so... How can I, okay, let me back up a little. All right. One day I was thinking, why does God, why is the law so negative? Like, why does it say, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not commit adultery. Why does it focus on that? 
the knots. And then I was thinking about witnessing and how many people I've talked to that have said to me, I'm a good person. Or that have, if I say something, I've been teaching people sometimes, especially like, say I'm doing a lesson with children because they've been very unkind and very thoughtless to one another. And I say, and I teach them about love. And then I say, are you loving? And they say, yes, I am very loving. And so I think our human nature tends to um, focus on what we do right, whether it's from the right heart or not, and not what we do wrong. And to also make excuses for what we do wrong. So if God said, love one another, then I think every unregenerated person on the planet would say, I do love others. And it would probably not be true, but they would think that it was. So God has to kind of say, oh, yeah? Then why did you lie and cheat and steal and murder? Because that's not real loving well, you know, I felt like I was doing this guy a favor. He really had nothing to live for. And, um, you know, I mean, that's just human nature. It's to justify our bad behavior. So I want to give you like a little bit of insight into the law of, of sin and death. And that is this, that sin begins in the heart. It's not a behavior. So often when we think of sin, we think of it as a behavior. But it's like, it's like a little tiny heart attack. Like when you have a heart attack, a part of your heart muscle dies and then you feel pain. Well, think of it, that's how sin is. Like it's death and the sin itself, the action, is like the pain of the brokenness. Not pain like, oh, you're, it's not your fault because that's just your pain. That's not what I mean, but I'm just trying to give you a picture. It's the outward sign that there's death. Does that make sense? So when we talk about sin, sin is all, always leads to death. And because it starts with death. And I know that's probably a little bit confusing, but it has to do with our sin nature. We're created the image of God. We're capable of in tremendous good. Even apart from Christ, human beings are, are capable of tremendous good because we're made in the image of God. But even that good is marred by this death, this sin that is inside of us. And so we can never be exactly like God apart from Jesus. But so anyway, I just want you to understand. So every sin, and then another part of the law of sin and death is that there, Satan has an agenda. So God has a plan for your life, right? You know, you've heard that. God has a plan for your life, Victoria. God has a plan for your life, Madeline. But what if I came up to you and I said, Victoria, did you know Satan has a plan for your life? Madeline, did you know Satan has a plan for your life and it is not going to heaven? And it is to kill, steal, and destroy everything good that God has planned for you. Did you guys know that? And I want you to know that because... We get tricked into sin most of the time because we see something that we think will be so good for us. And it will make our owies go away. And it will make our heart happy. And so we lunge for it and we pull it. And not knowing 
that Satan has the whole thing set up. He has the whole thing set up. And as we're lunging for it and pulling for it, he's going, ha, 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 such a sucker. That's what he's saying. You're so stupid, stupid. You know, because his agenda is completely, completely, completely against us. And we are so naive sometimes that we think, oh, this isn't like an agenda against me to cause death and destruction. This is just some little good thing that God missed. And I'll just go take care of this right now and there'll be no repercussions. And but they but they're always sin is death. And anytime we make a choice when we're tricked by the enemy, and I'm gonna talk more about that later, about our new nature, because it is not within our nature to sin anymore if we're in Christ. But in our new nature, when we're tricked by the devil to sin, it's always it's always falling in to the plan of the devil to still kill and destroy what God has planned for us. I want you to understand that because if you can understand the agenda behind sin, it makes it easier to not fall fully for lust. Does that make sense? So let me give you an example. Jealousy. So the enemy wants you to be jealous. And so he whispers in your ear, Patty's bedroom set is so much nicer than hers. And if you had her bedroom set or a nicer one, you would have a happier marriage. And of course, that you're hearing that and you're going, that is so stupid. Well, everything Satan says to tempt you is stupid. It's just we can't tell it's stupid because what happens? He puts his finger on that spot that hurts. He puts his finger on that longing that we have. That it could be a really God-given longing. But he puts his finger on something that is going to trip us. And so we lunge toward it because we forget the agenda behind sin is always your destruction. I want if you if you walk out of here and don't remember anything besides this. If you are sassing your mom, the agenda behind that sin is your destruction. If you are dishonoring your husband, the agenda behind that sin is your destruction. If you are filled with greed, the agenda behind that sin is your destruction. I just want you to understand that it's not like you you have to be able to step outside and see the big picture because when you do, it will give you a lot more insight into, into seeing. So I want you guys to take a second. And can any of you, have any of you been tempted either today or in the last week to sin? Anyone? Thank you. I'm so glad. I thought I was the only one. Okay, so... Can you ask the Lord? I'm just going to ask the Lord. Lord, show everyone who is tempted Satan's agenda behind that temptation in the name of Jesus. And I want you to see it because I want you to I want you to know Satan isn't your friend. Sin is not your friend. It's your enemy. 
and it will always cause harm and destruction. So, good, that's out of the way. Now we're going to get to the good stuff. So, the law of the spirit of life is the complete opposite. Satan is always against you, but Jesus is always for you. He is never against you. He wants your best, your good. He wants you to experience the fullness of his blessing, the fullness of his presence, the fullness of his spiritual gifts, the fullness of joy, the fullness of love, close relationships with other people that are healthy and not dysfunctional. He wants you to experience everything good. So, the law of the spirit of life is that everything that comes from Jesus and every act of obedience on your part that comes from your heart is birth of the Lord and leads to your blessing. So do you see the difference between that? Every act of sin is birthed from death. Every act of obedience is birthed from life. And that life is the Holy Spirit. So I want you to understand that before we get into Romans 8. Because, and just I know some of you are thinking, well, if God really loved me, I'd have a rich husband. If God really loved me, I'd weigh 110 pounds. If God really loved me, then I would never lose my temper. But God really does love you and actually has a plan for you to never lose your temper. You just need to press in a little closer to him. But you see, what did Jesus say? Oh, good, I'm talking about Jesus and on earth. And so Jesus said, if a child asks his father for bread, will he give him a stone or a snake? So will God give you things that are not good for you, that are not going to bring life, that are not going to bring you into the fullness of his joy and pain? And that's why, you know, it's so easy. I don't know about you, so I'm going to be honest with you. Because, you know, I had a really bad day Sunday. This is what happened. I had this delirious experience watching Hudson be born. But, unfortunately, I only got four hours sleep. And I don't function well without sleep. So I hit psycho mode in the afternoon. And I mean psycho mode. And I don't know how many people I actually damaged emotionally, but it was a pretty high number. And so I spent many hours repenting and asking people to forgive me and trying to mend relationships that I had axed. And I just thought, <laughs> what on earth happened to me? Like, I remember at one point I was saying something and I remember thinking, this can't be me. Who is inside my body talking right now? Because I don't ever feel that way. You know what I mean? It was just such a foreign thing. And when, um, when I repented and I got, I just felt free and forgiven. And, um, it was just interesting because I, I was like, how did, 
I like get into that place. Have you guys ever been there? I'm the only one, right? So no one has ever like fallen into that mode. So what happened is I look back, I'm like, okay, Lord, so let's make a plan here. You know, <laughs> realizing God already has the plan. I just need to know what it is. But I would like to never do that again in my life because that was really ugly. And I know that I have more daughters and I'm going to be awake overnight more in the future. Like there's, there's definitely, so you're going to have to show me how to be resting in you and walking in the spirit when I'm tired so that I don't listen to the devil's lies. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? So, and then that goes into Jesus being our teacher, which I had also thought about that before, but I won't get into it. So, um, do you guys understand the law of sin and death? And do you understand? So, sin is birthed from death. It always leads to death. It's never good. It's never pleasant. It's never neutral. Sin is never neutral. Um, and it doesn't matter big or small. And the law of spirit of life is that obedience is always birthed from life. And it always brings forth more life. And it's always birthed from the Lord. So true obedience, when I say true obedience, I mean the obedience that starts in the heart. None, everything I'm talking about is birthed in the heart. Because I can actually look on the outside like I'm being obedient. But if it's birthed from death, then it still is sin. But that's a whole nother talk. Okay, so let's move on. Um, for verse three, for what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So do you think that your life is all about walking according to the flesh or the spirit? I'm not, do you think that your life is all about walking either in the flesh or walking in the spirit? So I want to tell you it's not. That's not what your life is all about. It's not like oh, I have to decide if I'm going to walk in the spirit or I'm going to walk in the flesh. And I want you to explain. Because you cannot, it's not a neutral thing. If you're born again, if Jesus has taken over control of your life, you are a new creature and your natural bent is to follow the spirit. The only way you can follow the flesh is if the devil tricks you. And you need to know that because some of you feel like, oh my goodness, I am just such a wicked sinner. You were a wicked sinner, a very wicked sinner, the worst of all. But now Jesus took care of that for you. And he actually took all the punishment for your sins and he set you free. And he gave you a brand new nature. And that nature pulls toward God. Now, can we quench the spirit? Yes. Can we grieve the spirit? Yes. Can we set ourselves up for a daily dose of the devil lying to us and then become weakened and emaciated as Christians? Yes. But all things being equal, we will pull toward the spirit. And you need to know that if you are born again, you are going to pull toward the spirit. 
And part of what the devil does to us is he says, you are a wicked sinner. And you should say, no, I was a wicked sinner, but now the spirit of Christ lives in me and I'm a saint. I am a little Christ. Christ is in me and my desire is to serve him. So I just, I want you to get that in your spirit because when you get it in your spirit, the biggest way Satan attacks women, I think, is through condemnation. How many of you have felt condemned in the last week that you didn't measure up? There's a lot of hands going that one. And you felt like somehow there's this measuring stick and you didn't measure up. In Christ, we don't just measure up, we surpass. Because Christ fills us with all the fullness of God. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. We measure up. God does not look at us as someone who is lacking, as someone who needs to get it together. Do you understand that? It's so important you get that in your spirit. It's so important you realize the Holy Spirit is in you and the Holy Spirit is pulling you toward the Lord. Now, Molly and I, we do Zumba. And some of the songs, she and I pray in the Spirit through the songs because <laughs> we know <laughs> that song is not, we don't know what the words are because they're in Spanish, but we just get this weird feeling we better pray in tongues. And sometimes when I'm praying in tongues, I look over and there's Molly praying in tongues because I'm like, oh yeah, she felt that same thing as me. And, you know, and so... <laughs> so I say that because that is a way that you can quench the spirit in you. That's a way that you can set yourself up to be tricked by the enemy. So, you know, you could take inventory of your life and say, you know, are there things in my life that are going to make it easy for me to believe the devil's lies? And how many of you have had that feeling where you don't know something's wrong, but you just get this inkling, mm, I'm not supposed to hear this. I'm not supposed to see this. I'm not. How many of you have ever had that with a person? Like the Lord says, a relationship with that person isn't going to be a good thing. Now, I remember I met this woman in um, when I was in Virginia Beach. It wasn't Laura. I did meet Laura in Virginia Beach. But it was this woman, and I, I really liked her, and she invited me over, and Mike said, Honey, I really don't want you to build a friendship with her. And I said, Why? And he said, She's a very critical person, and I feel like that is something God has been really changing in you, and I feel like that is just going to open you up to, um, you know, some struggle there. So I was mad. How many of you have ever, like, you know, when your husband says something and he's your authority, you're like, what? He doesn't know me. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was. I was. And so, but you know what? We what? We lean toward Christ. And I knew God placed authority in my life to protect me. And so I submitted to him. I yielded to him. And I moved on with my life. And interestingly, um, you know, 
the Lord did really do a work in me where I don't have critical thoughts. I very seldom, I mean, I still do sometimes, but I mean, it's very seldom. Like God has just so changed me. Um, but anyway, so, um, and I'm glad that I listened to my husband. So, okay. So, we have a new nature. And the question should be, if you struggle with wanting to sin all the time, and I don't mean, okay, now all of us fall into sin. Jesus, I mean, God says in First John, if you say you're without sin, you deceive yourself. I did meet a woman who told me she had not sinned since 1959. And I thought, wow, whatever you have, I want that. But I, <laughs> I, <laughs> so, but he says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to cleanse, to, to, forgive us and to purify us from all unrighteousness. So we know that as Christians, we're in the world, we're getting constantly tempted, constantly buffeted. We are going to blow it, but God will forgive us. But if you are just consumed to follow after sin rather than follow after God, then the question would be, am I born again? Am I born again? And if you truly are born again, the next question would be, am I quenching the Holy Spirit? Am I feeding my spirit? Am I feeding my mind? Am I feeding myself with things that are quenching the Holy Spirit? So, but if you are born again, you will lean toward the Lord. I don't know how to say it a better way. Like your bent will be toward the Lord. It doesn't mean you'll be perfect, but you'll want to be perfect. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. So, um, all right. Oh, and just one more thing before I go. There are people who live the Christian life with their old nature. Like they're not born again, but they follow all the outward rules. So, um, there are people with that much self-control. I wouldn't have that much natural self-control, but there are people who have a lot of self-control and they're able to do that. However, remember what I said to you about life and obedience. It starts with life, and obedience flows from life. So obedience starts in the heart. So you can do outward things that look obedient, but if they're not flowing from your heart, it's not that life-giving obedience. And that's one thing that's interesting is that obedience that comes from the Holy Spirit is life-giving. It's like a breath of fresh air. You can feel it like the Holy Spirit's in me. He's controlling me. He's living through me. And I feel, wow, I just was so kind. That was so awesome. Like that was the Lord. And you can feel that life kind of flooding through your body. Okay, so moving on. For those who, according to the flesh, set their minds on things of the flesh, but those are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mindset on the flesh is death. But the mindset on the spirit is life and peace because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God for it does not subject itself to the law of God for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So he's contrasting those who are not saved with those who are saved. And but it gives us something to think about. Where do we set our mind? So I, I want you guys to think a minute. 
where has your mind been today? Like, just think, take a, take a little stroll down memory lane for the past 12 hours. Ha, has your mind been fantasizing, daydreaming, um, thinking about getting even with someone, thinking about telling someone off, thinking about the word of God, thinking about the Lord. Like, where has your mind been? If I, if I passed out paint, and you could all paint well, <laughs> I mean, that would be a given, and I gave you paper, what would you be painting about the little stroll that your mind took today? Does anyone want to share? <laughs> Modern art. <laughs> so I... I think it's kind of a good question to ask because the mind, our, our emotions follow our thoughts. So, you know, we are told, we're not told in scripture to control our emotions. We're told to take our thoughts captive because emotions follow our thoughts. What we choose to dwell on in our mind, emotions follow those. So... Uh, we were told to take our thoughts captive. So it is interesting sometimes, like say you're depressed, you can ask the Lord, show me where my thoughts are going. Say you're struggling with a lot of anger, frustration. Where are my thoughts? Like what kind of little day trips are my thoughts taking? Because <laughs> I don't know about you, but my mind is always active. You know, and I'm a, like, I'm an idea person. So, um, I'm always thinking of, <laughs> oh, wouldn't it be cool? Oh, and blah, blah, blah. And let's go here and let's go there. Oh, oh. <laughs> that's, that's kind of where my mind is most of the time. I'm always thinking about stuff. And I'm always thinking about you guys. And I'm always praying for you. And I literally, when I wake up in the middle of the night, I start praying for you guys. Just so that you know that. Like, you guys are always in my thoughts all the time. You know, every day for the past week, I would wake up and think, Lord, is Sarah going to have her baby today? How is it going to go? You know, because that's that's the way that I think. And um, and so anyway, moving on. Um, so I'm I'm on verse nine now. However, and this is a big important thing, and I put these in see my all cap like my big letters here. However. You are not in the flesh. So say that with me. You are not in the flesh. Now say, I, I am not in the flesh. Don't let the devil tell you that you are in the flesh because you have the Holy Spirit. You have been set free from the flesh. Um, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, though the body is dead because of sin. So we still wrestle with that, that death, you know, our bodies are going to decay and die. We can still have thoughts come back that of things we've seen or heard in the past, they can come back into our mind. But though the body is dead, the spirit is alive. Though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Now that's where the righteousness is. My whole talk is on righteousness. I want you to see that word at the end of verse 10. You can circle it. 
Though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. Righteousness, our righteousness in Christ, is the life in us that comes from the spirit. That life, and from that life flows obedience, flows holiness, flows love. But the righteousness is something Christ puts in us by the Holy Spirit. So even in the midst of us flowing, it's not like the Holy Spirit leaves. Do you know why they started saying, God bless you? Brooklyn? Not the demons, the Spirit. They would think that when you seize, the Spirit would leave you. So they would say, God bless you. Like, bring back the Spirit, you know? And so... So, um, are you alive or dead? You're either alive or you're dead. You're either pregnant or you're not pregnant. You're either... um, And so, dead men can't... Dead men can't obey God from the inside out. They can only obey God on the outside. They can't obey him from the inside out because it's the spirit that lives for God. And that's why it's so important to walk in the spirit, to be aware. But it starts with knowing the Holy Spirit is there. Not by how you feel. If you wake up tomorrow and feel lousy, the Holy Spirit is still in you, righteous and making you alive. If you wake up tomorrow and feel joyful, the Holy Spirit is still there in you, making you righteous, making you alive. It's not really dependent on you. When you surrendered your life to Christ, he took you at his word. And I really need you to remember that. So so then, brethren, starting in verse 12, we are under obligation not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So we put like those sinful habits that we have in our life, we put them to death by the Spirit. We put them to death by the Spirit. Does that make sense? We can't do that in our own. It's the Holy Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit produces fruit, self-control, but that all comes from the Holy Spirit. Um, okay. Um, for you have not received, oh, for though, for all who are being led by the Spirit, these are sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Part of our righteousness is that we're adopted. And I don't know about you, but I had a dad that I adored, but my dad had a really bad temper. And so... I always lived in fear of making him angry. Has anyone had some kind of situation like that where there's, like, you love your dad, but, like, there's maybe, there's not a perfect peace because maybe you're afraid he's going to get angry. Maybe you're afraid he's going to, um, 
belittle you or he's going to be disappointed in you or something like that. And if you had that experience, or some of you don't know who your dad is, you've never met him. There are people sitting in this room and they have never met their dad. So how, how do we handle that? So um, because when we talk about adoption, adoption, that's why I love adoption. When people adopt babies, I love that. I wanted to grow up and adopt children from all over the world, but instead I had my own. But, and then dad said, no, no more children. <laughs> but um, when, when you see adoption, you see people taking children and making them their own. And that's what God does with us. We're not his. You know, Jesus said, you are children of the devil. But once we come to Christ and are born again, we're children of God. And so that adoption in us, if we have not had a perfect father, sometimes we project that onto the Lord. God is a perfect father. He's better than Mike Brady on the Brady Bunch. Has anyone ever seen the Brady Bunch? In real life, he was. I'm talking about in the show. Or Father Knows Best. Yeah, not the actor. But my point, my point is that God is the perfect father. He's the perfect father that will he will never be disappointed in you. He will never hurt you. He will never let you down. He will always be there, always faithful always good, always wanting the best for you. And it's important that we understand his love because if you notice in this passage, he's equating adoption with living by the Spirit and crying out, Abba, Father. It's tied in with what we're talking about, that Spirit in us living by the Spirit. When we experience the love of the Father, it changes us forever. And when we daily experience the love of the Father, it makes a lot of issues go away. Because no one will ever love us like Jesus. So we can wait on his timing. No one... You know, when people reject us, it's okay because the one who called, spoke everything into being, loves us and is for us and is taking care of us. And so a big part of living by the Spirit is actually experiencing the love of God by the Spirit. And the Spirit, it says the Spirit cries out, Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy. You just picture a little child running to the Father. And the spirit that is in you, if you are born again, will cry out and will teach you about the love of the Father. And he'll open that up. He'll actually, he'll actually put that emotion in your heart. He'll actually put those thoughts in your heart of, God is my father. He's my daddy. He is the one who loves me. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. Um, 
Adoption is such a beautiful picture of loving someone who once belonged to another parent. Do we focus, and this is the question I want to ask you, do we focus on loving the Father, or do we focus on receiving the love the Father has for us? So that's something I want you to think about. And what which would you say you are? Do you focus more on, like, loving God? Like, okay, loving Him and, you know, doing things for Him and showing Him that I love Him. Or do you focus on receiving that love He has for you? And I'll tell you why that's so critical. Because receiving love from the Lord transforms us. And then loving other people is very natural. When you understand the grace of God, when you understand the mercy of God, when you understand his heart for us by the power of the Holy Spirit, it isn't a, you don't even think about loving people. It just flows out of you. You don't even think about loving God. You just naturally love him back. So it's a critical thing. And I would challenge you to look at how you spend your thoughts. Do you dwell on how much God loves you? Because if you begin to do that, it will make a huge difference in your life. It will make a profound difference in your life. So, um, okay. All right, moving on, verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is not that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. So we live in a fallen world. Creation is groaning. If you see a dog bite someone, that's creation groaning. If you see weeds in your garden, that's creation groaning. You see animals devouring each other, that's creation groaning. It's not how God made it. But they are waiting for all the sons of God to be revealed. This gospel of mine will go to the ends of the earth and then the end will come. It's like, it's this, you know, God is going to take the gospel to the whole earth and then the end will come. So, um, we, and then this is something interesting too. We have been set free. We were slaves to sin. We talked about that earlier, but now we've been set free. We are surrounded by slaves to sin, who think that they are free and we are slaves. Does that make sense? We live in a culture that sees, you know, slavery to sin as freedom and freedom from sin as slavery. We just live in a weird time. And so because of that, it's important to remember that we live in the now 
Now we are children of God, and we live in the not yet. One day we will be in our heavenly bodies, and there will no longer be any struggle. Okay. Um, For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. I've never seen this movie, but there's a movie called Hope Floats, right? I have no idea if it's a bad movie or not. Is it a bad movie? But I love that title, Hope Floats, because I think, I don't know, I just felt like I can just picture us floating through life because of our hope. So, well, today didn't go like I hope, but... You know, hope floats. It's, I mean, God is going to take me. I don't mean that in a trivial way because, I mean, I know, you know, I have spent hours weeping over things that are going on in people's lives in the last just month. So I know, like, there's serious things. But there's a sense that hope floats over those things as we await the adoption of sons. Okay. So, our victory in Christ, in the same way the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of Christ is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So, what do we do when we don't know the will of God? Pray in tongues. So uh, sometimes I'm just like, you know, sometimes I'll be, the, the Bible says that tongues fills us up, and sometimes I'll be like kind of spiritually dry, and I'll just sense the Holy Spirit say, pray in tongues. Like, why would you not pray in tongues? You know, oh, I forget to. I just don't think about that. Because when the Holy Spirit prays through us in the language of heaven, He's interceding for us in ways that we don't know that we need to intercede. So I'm not going to get into that because that's like a whole thing. Okay. Um, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. So way, way back, God planned for you to be his holy child. Not like the black sheep of the family, his holy child. To bring glory to Jesus, to be just like Jesus. And remember what I said in the beginning? Sin is flows from death. And it leads to death. Satan is always against us. Anytime we sin, it is it will it is for it it will bring destruction and death into our life. It's a trick of Satan. If we're born again, we will lean toward God. We will not want to sin. We will, but sometimes the devil will trick us, and we will. But obedience always flows from love, because God is for us, and God has. Everything good for us. God only withholds things from us when they're not good for us or they're not the right timing. That is another thing to get in our spirit. 
because I notice God's timing is way, way different than mine. Amen? Amen. Okay. So what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? Who can bring a charge against you? Absolutely no one. You have the best lawyer in the universe, and he defends you. God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. So who is against us? Not God. It's only Satan that's against us. And and you, God is, if you are born again, God is not against you. And even if you're not born again yet, God is pursuing you to bring you to that place. And verse 35, who will separate us from the love of God? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Paul said, I want you to know how long and wide and high and deep is the love of God. It says in the Psalms, his love reaches to the heavens. It says in 1 John, God is love. It says in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind. It says in Romans 5, that God showed his love for us, that while we were still sinners, his enemies, Christ died for us. So, walking with Jesus goes back to experiencing his love by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's our righteousness. It's not something that we do. It's something that we are. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit in us that cries out, Abba, Father. It's the power of the Holy Spirit in us that allows us to feel loved by the Holy Spirit. And and so, I, I don't know, when I got saved, you know, I've told you stories. I would, like, sneak out of class with my Bible, and I would read my Bible in the bathroom. I would, like, hide in the bathroom stall and read my bathroom. Bible. And I was so excited. I could not stop reading the Bible and I couldn't stop praying. And I, I just felt so loved. And I remember something when I first got saved, I was in the hospital. I got saved in ICU and they moved me to a floor and I had all these nurses and the Lord would start telling me things about the nurses. So one of my nurses walked in and I'm like a baby Christian, like my theology messed up. I mean, you know, I had a lot of growing to do, but the Lord filled me with an overwhelming love for people because he was in me loving people. Like it wasn't me. He was just in me loving people. And I remember this girl walked in and I said to my mom, mom, can you buy flowers for one of my nurses? And so she bought flowers and she brought them to me. And then the nurse came back to me next night and she hadn't shared anything with me. I said, the Lord told me that you and your boyfriend break, broke up. And I just want you to know that the Lord, loves you more than that man ever did. And she just broke down and cried.
bride. And I don't know what her relationship with the Lord was to that point. But I know this, that when the Spirit is in us, He not only allows us to experience the love of God, but he fills us with love for him and love for other people. And true, true righteousness, that holiness, is love. It's love. It's that, because what is the ultimate goodness? It's love. You know, love is righteous. Love is holy. Love is truthful. It doesn't lie. It doesn't murder, of course you know, but, and so, so often, I mean, Jesus is our righteousness. We stand in the righteousness of Christ, but he puts his righteousness inside of us. And if we can fix our eyes on him and yield to him moment by moment, he will do incredible things through us. Like I was, I was a baby Christian. Like, I was days old. I was like three days old in the world. It doesn't matter how wise you are or how smart you are. It just matters that you surrender to him and allow him to live through you. And he'll make the word of God come alive to you. I used to say, Lord, teach me, teach me, you know, and he would teach me all these things in his word. And then um, it was so fun. I mean, my best times in the Word have been with Jesus, have been Him just showing me things and unfolding me. Because when He saved me, I thought that my life was over. They told me I could never walk again, they told me I couldn't have children. I thought my life was over. I was a runner, I was a dancer, I could not even imagine not walking. And so I was prepared, you know, as like, okay, well, my life, you know, Lord, if there's anything you can do with my life, what's left of it, you can have every single bit of it, and you can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. And I didn't know what my life would look like. I imagined I would be in a wheelchair the rest of my life, but I would have Jesus, and that would hopefully be enough. I didn't know. But I know that the moment I gave my life to him, he came in so powerfully to my life. And I never doubted his love for me again. There have been times I've thrown temper tantrums and told the Lord, I don't like the way you're running things. I want you to do this, this, and this. I know none of you have ever felt like that. <laughs> but I have learned the hard way that the truth is the boundary lines fall for me in pleasant places. Whether they seem pleasant at the time, I really believe that scripture is true. When the Lord puts a barrier between me and something, whether it's through my husband whether it's through his word, then I'm not going to cross it. When the Lord gives me a direction, 
I'm going to go for it, even if I feel scared. Because I believe that what Jesus offers is a life inside of here that flows out everywhere and it changes everything. And you know what I mean. Like when you are walking with Jesus, his spirit changes everything. And yeah, there might be no money in the bank. There might be, you know, a lot of things that you're wanting, but they're not here yet. Jesus wants to give us things that flow from his love, not from Satan's death. And I think if anything, if you can remember, Satan is never for you. Sin always flows from death. God is always for you. And righteousness and love always flow from life, his life. And if you can remember that, it will give you insight when the devil is trying to trick you to sin. And, and I want you to be able to know the big picture and to be able to say, hmm, this sounds a little fishy to me. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to have you break up in your groups. We talked about a lot today. But what I want you to talk about in your groups is I want you to talk about what ways does the devil trick you to lead you into temptation and how is the life flowing in your life? I want you to recognize the life of God in your life. And I want you to recognize the love of God in your life. I want you to see it. I want you to taste it. I want you to think about it. I want you to let Jesus pull you closer. And again, that last question is, and I want everyone to answer it, do you think more about how you can love God and serve him, or do you focus more about experiencing and enjoying his love? And for some reason, I feel like the Lord wants me to say this. Um, some of you, when it comes to repentance, there's sin and you go to the Lord and you repent, but you skip the step of receiving his forgiveness. And the Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. So there's someone here, I don't know who it is, you're repenting, but then you skip that step and so you don't feel clean after you don't experience God's love and forgiveness. So God wants you to experience that. And we are done.